Uh, good morning to you uh, today. It's Easter Sunday. Uh, can't help reflecting uh, where I've been the last uh, three uh, Sundays. The first Sunday I was away, I was in a little village uh, meeting in a, a empty living room of a house with about 30, 40 uh, people uh, near Mombasa in Kenya. Uh, the following Sunday in the home church in Nairobi and then last Sunday in this town of 8 million people the size of London, if you can believe that, uh, of Addis Ababa, but just to a small church, actually a Lutheran church, my very first time to be in uh, such a church. And here we are this morning here in Great Liverpool, you know, God's people are all over the world, aren't they? Of different uh, cultures and different languages, different colours, and yet we're all united in the Lord Jesus Christ and today uh, all worshipping the same risen Saviour. My question to you, as you've already heard, is what if instead of me here, what if it was the risen Lord Jesus Christ who was standing before you? What difference would that make? Many would say, ah, if only I saw Jesus, then I would believe. Are you sure? Many saw Jesus raise a man called Lazarus. Not this one that we read about in Luke 16, but uh, another one. And you know what their response was? You can read it in John chapter 11 and verse 53. They plotted to kill Jesus. They saw him raise Lazarus and their response Let's get rid of Jesus. And a little later on in John chapter 12, they said, let's get rid of Lazarus as well. So far from believing their hatred and hostility was only aroused. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then obviously... It's the most astounding miracle that ever happened. Or, if it's just a lie, it's one of the greatest deceptions that has ever been foisted on the world because millions upon millions upon millions of people are in church today saying Jesus rose and if he didn't, how deluded we are. And I say it's the most amazing miracle if it took place because it wasn't like the raising of Lazarus. Jesus stood outside the tomb and he said to Lazarus, come forth. There was nobody saying that with the voice of God when Jesus was in the tomb. Jesus had actually said, I will rise from the dead. Nobody takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. 
and I'm going to be put to death and be raised on the third day. What an amazing prediction. Men did everything they could to destroy him. They thought that when they had convicted him as a blasphemer and they had crucified him, that was the end. And just to prevent the disciples from stealing the body and saying, Jesus is risen, they sent a guard to seal the sepulchre of the grave and they put an armed guard there. Now, those are the things that are revealed in the Bible. I'm asking you, do you really believe Jesus rose from the dead? Surely, if you really believe it in your heart, then it's life-changing because it's the most amazing thing. Something that you have never experienced or somebody else all you know is everybody has died. Everybody has died. That's the history of mankind, isn't it? And he died. And he died. But of this one, he died, but on the third day, he rose from the dead. So you see, what I'm asking you is this. Has it made your life different? Or is it just something that you confess to be true? because that's the way you were brought up. You know, it's very noticeable that when on the uh, internet, for example, there's a claim made, you know, the, there are wonder fruits, we're told, I think, pomegranate uh, juice or something like that is proclaimed to be the, the great uh, health uh, discovery. So many people follow it. If only I can do that, then I'll be healthy. I won't get cancer and all the rest of it. There are even claims of people being raised from the dead. People follow it. They're so interested in it. And they'll believe it. But for many of you, maybe you just take the Bible for granted. You've been brought up. That's what the Christian church says. Jesus rose on the third day. Maybe you've been in the tradition like last week we recited the Apostles' Creed, the Lutheran Church. Well, I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. And I want to show you this morning from this passage in Luke 16 that if you really believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus then it has great implications for your life. And I want to show you why many of you perhaps who profess belief in the resurrection, why it makes no difference to your life. And it all has to do with the Bible. Just got two simple things. First of all, only the Bible can convince you to repent, and you'll come to see what that has to do with the resurrection. Only the Bible can convince you to repent. We read the story of two men who died. And in the afterlife, their fortunes were reversed. The rich man who enjoyed everything 
that was to be enjoyed in the world, he was in torment in Hades. The poor man who had nothing but suffering in this life, the language is he went to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, being in torment, he had one request. He wants that poor man, Lazarus, just to bring a little respite to his parched tongue who's in anguish in the flame. He is refused. Two reasons. Number one, the torment that he's experiencing is his just retribution for his sins. And secondly, anyway, there's a big gulf uh, between the rich man and Lazarus and personal contact is impossible. And so the next request is verse 27 of Luke 16. Please, Abraham, will you send Lazarus back to my five brothers who are still alive on earth? Will you warn them to repent? Verse 28, I five brothers, let him warn them lest they also come to this place of torment. He knows that his brothers like him deserve the torment. And Abraham replies, verse 29, they have Moses and the prophets. That means the Old Testament scriptures. That's a a long way of saying what we say, the Old Testament. And Abraham is saying, the Old Testament, the Bible, is sufficient for them. They have that in their possession. They can read it. They ought to repent because of what they have in the Scriptures. And the rich man says, no. You can see that in verse 30. No, Father Abraham. I've got a better suggestion, the rich man says. If only Lazarus was to go back from the dead, then they would repent. Then they would believe. You know, it sounds reasonable, doesn't it? The rich man knew Lazarus. He met him every time he went out of his house. He was lying there at the gate. Dogs were licking his sores. Pitiable sight. Wouldn't the brothers then be amazed if that man returned from the dead and then could tell them, you know, I've been in Abraham's bosom. I've been in heaven with with God, with, with Christ. I've enjoyed such wonderful times since I've left this world. But I'm sorry to tell you, your brother has been in anguish, in torment, ever since he left this world. Surely those five would listen to that, wouldn't they? And the answer is, they wouldn't. (laughs) No more than they believed when that other Lazarus was raised from the dead. No more than when Jesus went to the cities of Galilee, uh, Chorazin and Capernaum, And he did mighty works there. 
They refused to repent. Jesus said it'd be better for Sodom. They would have repented if Jesus had done it. You can do the most wonderful signs, even resurrections. It won't convince anybody because sin is not reasonable. We tend to think if only I can present the evidence and reason people step by step, they will believe. But it's simply not true. A resurrection by itself won't convince anybody. The greatest resurrection took place, didn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what was the response? To believe in him? No. The disciples stole the body. That's the report that went out. Anything but believe. These very people have put a guard there. It was absolutely impossible for these frightened, poor disciples to steal the body with an armed guard. But that was the story. Now, my friends, this is the principle that comes. If you will not hear the Bible from your heart, nothing will convince you. Your attitude to the Bible will determine everything else in your life. The Bible, the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, they are God's appointed and sufficient way for you to come to repentance and to avoid the torment of Hades. So I'm urging you this morning, as we think of the resurrection, to a hearing of the scriptures that have been read and are being preached to you and to you giving attention in your life to the scriptures. Today especially. In churches, there's great excitement. There can be wonderful testimonies. Some make great claims of healings and uh, what they call blessings. There can be beautiful gospel singing. You can see all these things on the internet. And I want to tell you this. Don't go chasing such things. How many are going from one to the other? One uh, excitement, one emotional experience. It's not an emotional experience that you need that will bring you to repentance. It is the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, he's the one who told this story. He tells you that even if someone you knew were to be raised from the dead, that by itself would not convince you to repent of your sins. It's the scriptures and God working through the written scriptures that will do that. So the second thing I want to do this morning is to tell you why the Bible is sufficient. You see, people say, oh, it's a written book. It was written 2,000 years ago. Uh, 
Some people say it's boring or I can't understand it, whatever excuses they have. I want to show you why this book is sufficient to convince you to repent. So here's the principle then. If the scriptures can't convince you, nothing will convince you. If Jesus says, verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. If Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament was sufficient, we have the whole Bible. We have the New Testament. We have the the stories, the, the witness about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. We have it all there, recorded and explained. I hope you're not saying, you're not talking to me this morning. Uh, I believe in the resurrection. Well, let's see if that's really true for you, shall we? First of all, the Bible is sufficient because it's a complete revelation. If Lazarus had come back, tell me, what more could Lazarus have spoken to those five brothers than is contained in the scriptures? What from Lazarus's personal experience would have added necessary information to the scriptures. God has given us the scriptures. God is not an observer. He's not one who experiences. God is the one who made all things. God is the one who made heaven and Hades or hell. God is the one whose presence is there in awful wrath, as we've read about it here. God has revealed everything as the creator of those things, not as one who simply has experienced it like Lazarus. Did Lazarus have full knowledge? of all God's eternal purposes because he, he had been in heaven? Of course he didn't. He was a recipient. And so it's God himself who's speaking to you through this. He has the full knowledge. I say to you, the Bible is a complete revelation. That needs to be said. There are too many people who are going around saying, God spoke to me. You, you've heard them. Um, I've been to hell for a few minutes or I've been to heaven for a few minutes, they claim. Even if it were true, which it isn't, what more could they add than what God has already revealed in the scriptures? I tell you, the scriptures are sufficient. If you won't believe them, then nothing, not even a resurrection will convince you. Then secondly, because some people still say, yes, but wouldn't it be lovely to have a personal testimony? You know, 
that somebody actually before me who has been there and has come back. Well, you know, the Bible is actually God's own testimony. And so here's somebody. Here they are. They, they're standing there. They're telling you, I've been to heaven. And now I've come back. How do you know it's true? Fake news is the language of the day, isn't it? And fake testimony surely is, is so common. How do you know that someone's not an imposter? But the scriptures are God's own testimony. And of course, here it's particularly the testimony of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has risen from the dead himself. You know, the scriptures, although they were written 2,000 years ago and even further back, the scriptures are not a dead letter. They are God's living voice. It's no different than if you actually heard with your ears the voice of God from heaven. When Peter wrote a, a letter to Christians, he said, I, Peter, I actually heard God's voice. I was on the mountain with Jesus and I heard those words, this is my beloved son, listen to him. I heard them. But Peter says, there's something better than that. There's something more sure than that. You can read it in 2 Peter chapter 1. The scriptures... The, the, the prophecies of the Bible, they are more sure. They are certain to be depended upon. And so if you refuse this living word of God, you will find reason to refuse every other human testimony. If the scriptures of God can't convince you of your need to repent because of the judgment, then I ask you, what will be able? You'll find a way to dismiss everything. Not only this story, God tells you about the world of Noah's day. Ah, you say, but uh, we know now that there was no such thing as a flood. So you push that one aside, don't you? Um, Bible tells you about Sodom and Gomorrah. Ah, well, they were specially wicked. So that doesn't apply to me, maybe you say. There were the Canaanites that God brought the people of Israel into their land as a judgment. And people say, oh, God couldn't possibly have done that. It goes on like that, doesn't it? You can always find a reason to dismiss. So if, my friends, if this morning, we're so glad you're here, if this finds you, really you've not repented of your sins, you've not come to a place in your life when you've acknowledged your sin and come humbly before God to ask for his forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not done that, 
It's because really you don't believe in the resurrection. Then, the Bible is the word of the judge. It's a complete revelation. It's God's own testimony to you. And it's the word of the judge, the one who will determine your eternal destiny. Now, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a court case. But if you know who the judge is going to be, it's perhaps wise to know, especially if you were the, the, the um, lawyer for the defence, what sort of person this judge is. Is he or she as strict in applying laws and judgments? If I use this argument, will I be listened to? Maybe look into the way the, the judge has determined previous cases so that you can know what to expect. So here we are. These are the words of the great judge of all the earth. So what will you, what will you say? If you were to come to this day of judgment and you were to be found unrepentant, that you continue on refusing to confess and repent of your sins, what will you say on the last day? Surely you won't say, but God, it's not fair that you judge me. If only someone had come back from the dead before me, then I would have repented. God has given you the greatest demonstration of the truth of heaven and hell in the resurrection of Christ. That is what we're thinking about this morning. God has testified to it. The scriptures proclaim it so clearly. And God will say to you, you had Moses and the prophets. You had the gospels. You had Acts. You had the letters of the New Testament. Why didn't you repent? I gave you all that you needed. And it's according to that revelation in the scriptures by which you will be judged. So then, as I close this morning, have you really heard the Bible then? We have the Bible open to us. Uh, we all say we believe in the resurrection. But have you really heard the scriptures so as to believe what they say? So I've got three lines of evidence for you to ask yourself whether you have really believed in the resurrection of Christ because that truth is just one truth among many, and they all stand together. So here's question number one. Have you repented as Lazarus in this story repented? Do you actually believe 
that a man must repent or be damned. I was talking to a man the other day and he said, when I asked him, when did you become a Christian? He said, I was born a Christian. Of course, I told him that can't be so. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He said, I've got great difficulty with that teaching. But you see, if you believe the scriptures, if you believe the resurrection, you know that uh, the resurrection of Christ demands that I must repent. Now, the Bible records how sin entered the world right at the beginning of creation, how sin multiplied and how God from time to time brought judgment upon the world. And it tells us that Christ came for the very purpose of calling us sinners to repentance. Do you know what Jesus said? I didn't come to call uh, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's not those who are well who need a physician. It's those who are sick. The rich man in torment, he was absolutely convinced that his brothers need to be warned. They need to repent. Look at it. Here's a man in, in hell now. Listen to what he's saying, verse 30. No father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. I know I didn't repent. My brothers must repent if they're not going to come and join me where I am. Or do you love your sins more than you fear the torments of hell? I remind you, this is Jesus speaking. So can you honestly say before God from your heart, once I was a slave of sin, but now by the grace of God, I'm a slave of righteousness. That's, re that's repentance. And then the second question I want you to ask yourself. I've asked you, have you repented as Lazarus did? Are you justified? Has God declared you righteous before him as poor Lazarus was? Because, of course, Lazarus was a sinner like anyone else, and yet he was taken into Abraham's bosom. His sins were forgiven. He was a new person before God, though he was such a, a poor man. No cause for condemnation was found in him. It wasn't by his good life. What a pitiable life Lazarus had lived. But it was by Christ who was put to death for our sins and raised for our justification. You know, the resurrection of Christ is not just something that happened. It's God's testimony my son died for sinners. 
and the proof that he actually has dealt with their sins upon the cross is that he is not going to be left in the grave under the power of death. I will raise him from the dead to show that he is the real Savior. God was well pleased with what he had done. But here's the question. Have you then put your trust in this risen Christ? For him to bring you, in the language here, to Abraham's bosom. And then my third, then and last question. Are you living the Christian life as the evidence of the resurrection power of Christ in you? That's the implication which I want to say a bit more about this evening. Jesus died for us and he was raised for us. And he comes, those who have repented and believed, he comes to live within us. Because many people ask, if I repent and believe, I don't know if I'll be able to continue as a Christian. The, the temptations are so great, that is true. The power of the world is so strong, that is true. How will I be able to continue day after day through temptations and trials? Well, here's the answer. It's the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the question. What is there in your life that you can only explain that it's Christ who is at work in you? You know, Anyone can come to an Easter morning service, can't they? That we all have the power to do. Uh, I think it was J.C. Ryle who wrote that the person who is most consistent in church is the devil. Longing to pluck up the seeds which have been sown before they can even germinate. If you've repented and believed, that's the evidence that God has been at work in you. And when you become a Christian, then it's the start of a new life. It's this new birth. You know, becoming a Christian is even called a resurrection. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and then God raises us to a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you, are you really believing in the resurrection if you're still leading the old life of sin? If you haven't been changed, then you make the resurrection of Christ something so ordinary and something so powerless that it becomes a meaningless thing. So this is what I leave you with this morning. As we think of uh, 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 the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all here in the scriptures. I urge you, give your attention to what is written in the scripture. It is true. It is sufficient. It is powerful. This is what God uses. And it's through this that you'll come to a true uh, salvation 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord speak to us and bless us this day. May we know the, the power of the resurrection of Christ in our lives.